0: This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast, WILK News Radio. One of my favorite songs. I it, I don't think it's descriptive of me, but uh, great good morning, everyone. 10.05 a.m. in the great Northeast, this beautiful Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. This is the Bob Cordaro Show. I am he. It is a big day to fight for America, defend our values, and honor the brave who have made us. And kept us free. People like Richard Belts, Quake, John Schwartz, Honesdale, Michael Sheback, Scranton, Paul Crowley, Late of Mechanicsburg, originally from Scranton. And we honor them today. So with history, our great founding fathers, and the incomparable constitution of the United States of America as our guides, let us continue. Today's battle and we gavel back to order this meeting of the club for common sense. Yes, it is for common sense that we meet to provide a sanctuary of sanity for all of you. Does anybody agree with me that Nikki Haley talks too fast? It's like she gets she gets me breathless. You know, when somebody talks so quickly, I mean, it's not a knock on her. It's just what she does. I want her to take a breath and relax. By the way, as, uh, as I anticipated, you guys are all over the Hulk Hogan thing. So Hogan and a Marine friend of his witnessed a car driven by a female teen flip over on the highway. They assisted her in getting out by popping the airbag and unlatching the seatbelt. She appeared fine. Neesh. And uh, somebody else said uh, met Hulk Hogan at his shop in Clearwater Beach. He stops in most days and does a wrestling spiel really good with fans. I'll bet he is. I wonder What kind of shop is it? <laughs> somebody said, Bob, did you hear what President Trump, he told little Joey, <laughs> uh, pack your bags, Joey, I'm coming home. <laughs> It can't be too soon enough. It just can't be too soon. We've got to get this degenerate boob out of the out of the Oval Office and out of power. And a reminder as we head into uh, a Tuesday edition of Monday Musings, Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, Road Scholar's unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. And, of course, the great six-course wild game dinner at Camelot, Waverly. Right off the highway. And uh, I just can't wait for it. Reservations only. So you got to sign up. There's room for only 100 diners. And uh, I make four of those, so there's only 96 left. Uh, let's go. Though, however, wait a minute. We got a theme song. What's our guy's theme song? We didn't start the fire. Come on, Bulldog. Uh, Bulldog's got a. F- morning, He's got to find it, or we can't start. There you go. There's your themes. Did we forget to play it last Monday? I oh, think we did. I don't remember. All right, well, John Perillo is tough with us one
1: for a prison band to do.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> too much. Too, too, you know, we actually the band, our prison band was fantastic. These guys were great. I was just along for the yeah. ride.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I miss my garage band. I do. But, <laughs>
0: yeah, <so. laughs> well, John Perola, you called about this uh, uh, and wanted to talk about the Houthis. I, I saw yes. this disgraceful sign from one of the violent protesters on Saturday at the White House, and it said, Hands off Yemen. I, I, I almost couldn't believe it. I, I'm thinking, am I in what
1: dystopia am I in here? <sighs> I won't try to answer that question. Um, because that's, uh, who knows what dystopia we're in. But I did want to I did want to talk about the Yemeni attacks uh, on shipping and their global effects. And, you know, I want you to keep in mind the analogy of a chess game, if anybody's ever played chess, that, you know, Yemen's a small country. Think of it as a pawn, a uh, you know, very small pawn. It moved one space, and it's had this huge effect. And that's kind of the image I want you to keep in your mind while we talk about it. And we mentioned last week that Iran might not even approve of what's going on, but that once you put proxies in charge of carrying out your wishes, you have to understand that they have their own agendas, and they might not always match yours or your methods or those other things. Uh, but but John, guy, Perillo,
0: John Perillo, they they continue to resupply them, so they yes, can't disagree
1: yes. too much. Which tells you something. Yeah. Right, which tells you something, right? And there's a guy named Escobar who's not always really reliable, but in the, in the spirit of the blind squirrel – You know, and the nut, I thought he brought up some good points. I really wanted to explore a little bit deeper here. Um, And so, Yemen's move of attacking shipping in the Red Sea is a classic example of a pawn, if you will, checkmating the king, and, you know, to continue with that analogy. And we got to remember that Iran has to export oil to survive. And it seems, at least for now, that Yemen's going to decide what actually passes through the Red Sea and it'll let Iran pass, and it has been letting Iran pass. But it remains to be seen who else is going to get a pass, uh, because that that situation is a little bit fluid right now. And a little bit of background, of course, right? So uh, Ansalala is is the is the, another word for the Houthis. So we'll just we we'll use those interchangeably. Let's just think Houthis for now. They're the Yemenis equivalent of Lebanon's Hezbollah. Basically, they're Iranian-backed Islamic radicals, and they just instituted what's basically a carefully targeted blockade of the Red Sea. And you have to remember that much of the world's oil comes out of the Red Sea. And, oh, by the way, your Bloomberg break just before mentioned that Shell is not going to go through the Red Sea anymore. Yeah. So between the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf, roughly 25 percent of the U of the world's supply of oil uh, goes on tankers. And in the past, we've used sanctions to prevent Iran from selling that oil, which we discussed again last week, had been eased by this administration. And this administration also removed the Houthis from the terror watch list in part because the administration wanted to put some distance between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, and the Houthis were attacking Saudi Arabian oil fields and ports, which likely pissed off the House Assad. So for your listeners, you know you got to get all the complexity of who's dating who in this little movement that our administration's in. Um, what the Houthi movement did was to make it very clear that any Israeli-affiliated or Israeli-destined vessels would be intercepted. And while those in the U.S., should hate that because of what they're doing to the israelis the rest of the world fully understands that most other shipping is pretty free to pass and that includes the russian tankers as well as chinese iranian and other global south ships the ships that are you know kind of going to the southern part of the world uh they continue to move mostly undisturbed across this bala Mamneb, which is uh it's the narrowest point is about 33 kilometers so call it you know less than 15 miles In the Red Sea. And only mostly, by the way, because even China is against this move by the Houthis because they don't want their oil to be held hostage by a pawn if we want to continue that chess analogy. Uh, What this really is, though, uh, to those of your viewers who believe in statecraft, is a challenge to what I'll put in quotes here, the rule based order. And I don't mean to be sarcastic, but those are the people who talk about international law as if anybody cares about it except themselves. Right. What's interesting is that for the anti-Israel crowd, this, this one move, this one move by this one small country is more effective than all the U.N. resolutions and, and caterwauling that we hear about their response to the attack on Hamas. The Israeli economy is being hurt badly by the war, not that anybody cares, but it is. And while our administration is talking to the, to the Israelis about backing down, regardless what you think of that move, it's this small country of Yemen who's applying the real pressure. And the reason is that global trade matters. You know, the U.S. Navy matters. And we were the guarantors of open sea lanes and have been since World War I. And I thought it was interesting that Russian President Putin is already using the blockade to his advantage. and He's basically telling the world to forget the Suez Canal. The way to go is the northern route. And if you, you know, which is if you, uh, they're working in conjunction with the Chinese on something they call the Arctic Silk Road. So if you look at a map of the world Europe, if it doesn't use a Suez, has two choices. It can either go around the Cape of Good Hope on the southern tip of Africa <clears throat> or over the top. And what Putin's offering the Europeans is that they have three choices. They can either sail the 15,000 miles around the Cape of Good Hope. They can use Russia's cheaper and faster North Sea route, or they can send their cargo via Russian railways. Right? This North Sea route is now open for non-ice class ships, meaning ships that aren't designed as icebreakers, from the, f- through summer and autumn. And the Russians and the Chinese are working to make that year-round with a fleet of some nuclear-powered uh, icebreakers. So uh, if you if, again, if you look at that map, you can go to Europe, you can go to China and Japan over the top, over the Arctic, <clears throat> if you have icebreakers keeping that, that route open. So all of this is a direct consequence of a single Yemeni move, advancing the pawn one space, if you will. Right? So this is a real shift on the chessboard, and up until this point, the entire purpose of the U.S. Navy was power projection and free nav- and ensuring the free navigation of the seas. So if the Europeans have to go around the horn or over the top of Russia, then we've failed at that mission. And as a Navy guy, I can tell you that that really hurts. If we can't do those missions of power projection and sea control, then you have to ask what good are 11 aircraft carrier task forces that we keep around – at, oh, by the way, huge expense to our taxpayers, right? If we can't ensure that these, that that as Bloomberg just talked about, that Shell Oil Company is now going to go around the Cape of Good Hope because they can't get through the Red Sea, then our Navy is failing at one of its fundamental missions.
0: John Perillo is our guest. It's a Tuesday edition of Monday Musings. John, one of the things that's most disturbing is the lack of political will to use what we have and on a, a, about 137 attacks, we've never gone to the source either in Yemen or in Iran. I, I, I'm, I'm just blown away by this monumental
1: weakness. And it breeds, it's breeding more attacks. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think, you know, everyone across the Middle East, is well aware that these Houthi missiles that they're currently using against shipping are capable of hitting Saudi and the Emirati oil fields and knocking them out of commission, right? So in addition to our distancing ourselves from Saudi Arabia over the Khashoggi affair, you know, it's no wonder that the Saudis and UAE are not going to come to the U.S. maritime <laughs> effort, you know, and challenge Yemeni, the Yemenis, right? They, they, our, our failure to respond is making others in the region fail to respond, and then you got to add to that fact there's a large numbers of undersea drones that both Russia and Iran have and while I am absolutely 100% certain that we have the most advanced submarines in the world for them to be effective they need room to maneuver right you don't put a submarine in a bottle and then say here defend this area because what happens is it makes it easy for your enemy to find them right so you know that means that we got a real problem keeping that that sea lane open and, you know, one of the things Bob and I have discussed in the past is that energy policy is foreign policy. And at this point, Moscow and Tehran aren't even thinking about using, if you will, their doomsday option of cutting off potentially you know, 10 percent and up of the world's oil supply simply by shutting down access to the Red Sea. Because, as Bob mentions, Yemen is a proxy or largely a proxy of Iran, so they could decide if they wanted to, to close that strait and Automatically, 10 percent of the world's oil stops flowing, and that hurts Iran. So Iran doesn't want to do it, but it definitely helps Russia, and they might be able to work something out between Russia and Iran. And if that happened, we'd be looking at a huge world shortage of oil and something like $300 a barrel oil. That's the current estimate So if you lop off 10 percent, which for our economy would be, would be absolutely brutal. And that may sound unthinkable. But then you have to remember that Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed al-Sadani basically mentioned that explicitly. And it's not just the Red Sea. right? The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, IRGC, um, they mentioned that Israel may face the closure of the Mediterranean Sea, the Strait of Gibraltar, and other waterways. And again, Iran doesn't want this, but the IRGC actually operates independently from the, their own government on occasion, and they're much more committed to hurting Israel. And of course, you know, this limits our options, right? So, you know, to this point, we're only talking about the Red Sea. But to Bob's point, let's say we decide to teach a lesson to Iran and attempt to topple their regime. At that point, they have their own doomsday scenario. They could attempt to shut off both the Red Sea and the Straits of Hormuz in the Persian Gulf. Now you're talking about 25% of the world's oil production and something like $500 barrel oil. And now you're talking about a worldwide depression. So, you know, all these things are are happening at the same time, all because we haven't confronted the Yemenis, the Yemenis and the Houthis, and really, all this goes back to because of we we decided that we were going to remove the Houthis from the from the terror watch list because we somehow thought that was going to help us with our relations with with Saudi Arabia. It's you know, and, and, and
0: then, it's on so many fronts, John Perillo. That this this. I just get so disgusted if it goes to the border, it goes with any of our international relationships, any of our international adversaries. It's weakness and stupidity across the board, and you you can't even you think about it. You say we did what or we didn't do what? I mean, you can't you can't make this idiocy up.
1: No, you re- you really can't. And I, again, I want, I want to keep thinking about this like a chess game, right? As Bob's alluding to, we got to start thinking two and three moves down the road, right? We, we, we make a move because it feels good, and then we forget about what the implications are, right? And then, and then on top of all this, one of the other players on the board is Russia. And say what you will about Putin, he's way more careful, cold, and calculating than people are giving him credit for. And with this guy, it's all about an asymmetric response exactly when nobody's expecting this and in all this chaos is working strongly to his benefit so if yeah. you remember the destruction of the Nord stream pipelines that were going to europe right there was no russian response to what was in effect an act of terrorism against gazprom which is the russian owned oil company against germany against the eu and against other a bunch of other european countries right there was no russian response but if you look at the recent moves by yemen The one real beneficiary in all of this is Russia, and I'm not saying Russia's behind it. Nobody really knows, but I do know for a fact that they benefit, and they have every reason to be behind it. The the axis of evil,
0: China, Iran, and Russia continues. John Perla, we got to go, but we appreciate it as always, always informative, always important.
1: All right, and you. Uh, thanks again for uh, for having me on. I hope you guys stay warm. It was negative thirteen here this morning, and uh, <laughs> you know I know it's headed your way. So uh, stay warm and have a great day. And thanks for having me on your show, Bob.
0: Ah, and the bulldog jumped right Yay! on it. There's your theme song. <laughs> awesome. All right, appreciate my man. it. <laughs> Thank you, John Perillo. Special Tuesday edition of Monday Musings. We'll be back this date, nineteen seventy five. Paul McCartney and Wings arrived in New Orleans, Louisiana to start recording their album Venus and Mars. Murph chose listen to what the man said. And then uh, the White House, President George Herbert Walker Bush. And talk about a steady hand on foreign policy. He just screwed up so royally with the tax increase. Who convinced him of that? Anyway, they start Operation Desert Storm to drive Iraqi forces out of Kuwait. Uh, a little more than a month later, it was all over. And wisely, George Bush, the elder, did not go any further than he said he would. They were to be expelled from Kuwait, and that was it. And that's what we did. We gave them a savage beating. Mm, man. Anyway, that's that's what happened, and... Uh, uh, we miss presidents like him when foreign policy matters. Uh, somebody takes him, I agree with you, Bob, every DOJ and every administration is corrupt. I, I, not not to this extent. You've got to remember Merrick Garland in his mind had the Republicans, and more specifically, the Trump Republicans, even though it was Mitch McConnell, uh, deprive him of a Supreme Court seat which he coveted forever. And so he is breaking any norm beyond the, beyond anything we've ever seen in pursuing political opponents and pursuing anyone he perceives to be on the opposite side of the regressive left and their philosophy and ideology. So, no, this is the most corrupt ever. Uh, Somebody says, what bothers me is the amount of classified information Trump had. Uh, Please explain that to me. Well, I, uh, let me say this. I don't think anybody knows at this point, but we know Trump did not pack himself to leave the White House. We know that. And they may have packed some things that he, that he shouldn't have had after his presidency, but this has been very common. Please know that and understand it. Obama had tons of classified documents when he left the White House. Clinton did. And there's always a back and forth. And and, and I mean this. There has always been a back and forth. By the way, not with the in-your-face style of Donald Trump. And never with a Justice Department this corrupt and political. And so he should have been asked to return it, and he should have never kept it in the first place. Wrong. Not illegal, not criminal. What Joe Biden did was criminal. He took, as a senator, classified documents out of the SCIF, the secure location in the Capitol. Clear breaking of the law. Not even a question. And they're looking for his special prosecutor on milk cartons. So, very different. So, again, you can't separate stupid and and uh, obstinate. You have to separate, rather, stupid and obstinate from criminal. And I don't believe Trump did anything criminal as long as he was talking to them, which he was, which his lawyers were. Now you continue. I'm also a federal employee. We aren't allowed to strike. They should be reprimanded. I think they should be fired if they do that. Because you cannot protest against even Joe Biden. By leaving your work, which you're well paid for. Somebody texted, Trump knew he had classified documents. He had staff on video moving boxes before the search. Yeah, well, (laughs) so did Obama. He knew he had them, too. So did Biden. He knew he had them. The question is, what is the reaction? And if they prosecuted all three, I'd say, okay, fair enough. They're taking a hard line, but they didn't, and you know it. So stop it. Stop the silliness. Stop, stop basing what you're doing on lies. Justice is equal, either equally applied or it's useless, and that's why four criminal indictments from the Justice Department from the state of Georgia, from the city of New York, have done nothing to deter people from voting from Trump because they know they're corrupt. Here's what I found. And these are rock rib normal people. So stop it. All right, we're going to take a break. Bob Kadaro, W I L K. We'll come back with our veterans tribute. We'll come back with the weather. And then we've got a special thing we're going to try and do once a week. We got Rebecca Martino from Stately Pet Supply. And uh, we're going to do a tip for the week. We'll see what she has in store after this. Our veterans today, we lost last year. Former State Representative Paul Crowley. Born in the Bellevue section of Scranton. Graduate of West Scranton High School. United States Navy veteran of the Korean War, member of the Scranton Friendly Sons of St. Patrick, and he was the last surviving member of the original 13 Scranton St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee members. He was Grand Marshal and the president of that group over his years. And of course, state rep from the 112th District from 1969 to 1972. Preceded in death by his love of 58 years Mary Lou. Survived by three children, six grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. Paul Crowley, Michael Schibach. former Pennsylvania State Trooper born Scranton, graduated from the Great Scranton Tech in 1964. Two tours in Vietnam as a proud member of the Navy's CB's Construction Battalion. Survived by his treasured wife of 53 years, Shirley. His daughters as well. He did more than the military and the state police. He served his church, served his community. Michael Sheback. John Schwartz, Honesdale. Survived by his wife of 56 years, Joan. Born in Honesdale, Honesdale Catholic High School. He began serving in the Pennsylvania National Guard as a teenager. Then he joined the family business, Edward Schwartz, the car dealership in Honesdale. Before his battle with Parkinson's and dementia, Survived by a son, his daughter, and grandchildren. John Schwartz. Richard Belts, Quakeake. His wife, Loretta, survives him. They were married 56 years. He was born in Lofty. Lived most of his life, however, in Quakeake, Mahanoy Township High School, U.S. Army in 1961. Serving in South Korea. The 7th Logistical Command as an air traffic controller. Then 32 years with Parrish Steel of the Dana Corp in Redding. He was a welder. Somebody texted in about that, loved that he was a welder. Struggled with Alzheimer's disease as well. His wife, his son, daughters and grandchildren survive him. Richard Belts, our veterans for today. Storm tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Today, snow tapering off to flurries. That's about what it is now. Total accumulation of 1 to 3 inches, high of 30. Tonight, cloudy and cold. It's down to 15. Wednesday, colder with a mix of clouds and sun, high of 23. So I I mentioned to you that we've got um, Rebecca Martino, Stately Pet Supply. You hear her commercials. I absolutely love them. She tells you, buy local, and I say, yes. Well, she's with us today. We're going to start a weekly segment with her. And uh, first, we'll say hello, Rebecca. Good to have you on. Hey, Bob. I love having you on the TV show. And so this is good stuff uh, to get. I
2: miss doing the TV show. Yeah, it was a lot of (laughs) fun.
0: And it was so informative. And yeah, big deal. But uh,
2: I had a lot of fun. I was brushing up on some of my old uh, uh, things on the the Bob Cordero show on YouTube, and I was brushing up this morning, thinking, "Okay, what has he asked me in the past, and how did I answer it?" And I was preparing, you know. Well, I was. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna throw an audible at you. All uh, right. That is the cold weather. We've got to think about that, and and cold weather care for our cats and dogs. mm Hmm tell Tell us some precautions that you should take and undertake uh, to protect our pets.
2: Okay, so um, where can I start there? Uh, the the rule of thumb is if it's too cold for you, it's too cold for your pets. If you wouldn't go out your bare feet, though pets' paws are a little more callous than ours and used to not having you know shoe shoes on them, uh, it's still a good idea to you know not have them out there any longer than you would tolerate yourself. So, um there are some really neat tips. If you have a dog, you walk in the city. There's rock salt. You you can do things like um there are different paw uh balms that work kind of like a chapstick for their feet. It just helps give them a little more moisture barrier protection as well as um uh just little healing properties that keep them from doing the same things that we get you know, when we get addicted to chapstick in the winter. You don't even kind
0: of think property. about you know what, uh Rebecca, you don't even think about the uh salt accumulating mm-hmm. on their feet as they walk along sidewalks and and streets mm-hmm.
2: huh. well it's, it's very uh just a quick thing is that um typically in areas that are manned by you know very large properties that have to be plowed by you know municipalities and things like that the the more pet friendly uh, uh ice melts are more expensive than traditional rock salt. so depending on where you go Just keep in mind that that's probably not an expense that a lot of places are incurring. So it's probably just regular caustic traditional rock salt on the ground. Wow. Uh, All
0: right. So the cold weather, just use yourself (laughs) as a guide, I guess, right? It's
2: a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And it's, you know, of course, of course, there are breeds out there that, you know, in their genetics, they love the cold. You know, they're they're not dogs you'd want in Florida. You know, they love the cold. They can't wait for snowstorms. So, of course, there are dogs that are going to love it and thrive in it. But then some are a little more naked than others and um, wouldn't do any better than us if we didn't have a jacket on out there.
0: But, I mean, the, the temperatures we saw in Iowa, for example, never getting above zero. And it's going to be 15 mm-hmm. tonight, so... I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> that that that's something you got to watch.
2: Yeah, that's Malamute, Pyrenees, uh husky weather, you know, mountain dogs. That's that's their that's their time to shine and they have fun in it, you know, hook them up to the a sled and have them pull the kids around the yard, but um you know, some of your shorter coats aren't going to love it as much. Well, the bulldog—I was an English
0: bulldog guy. Hope to be again. <laughs> I forgot, yeah. They love the—they love to frolic in the snow, but they don't do that for hours and hours.
2: Mm-mm. No, their bellies are a little more naked, right? So yeah. um, that's uh, and, and keep in mind that um, uh, when I was growing up, my next-door neighbor had a quick story. They had a, a Jack Russell, and and some dogs that are very, very determined don't pay attention to pain. So growing up next to us, there was a dog that it was a little Jack Russell that would run around the textured concrete around a swimming pool until you actually saw little tiny Jack Russell, bloody paw prints. And mm-hmm. the dog would not stop chasing that tennis ball. So you have to have a little, you know, we are the parents and dogs are a lot like toddlers. They don't know not to go play in traffic. They don't know not to eat things that are, you know, you know, the wrong size ratio where they could choke on it. So, We have to be parents also. And just say, oh, okay, I think we've been outside long enough. Come on, let's go inside and thaw out of it.
0: So, yeah, use your judgment. So pay attention, says Rebecca mm-hmm. Martino of Stately Pet Supply. Well, We look forward to doing this every week. I, I, I think people have to be mindful of their pets and uh, other people's pets as well. And uh, we look forward to it. We're going to get into maybe pet food and feeding next week. Uh, but, yeah, I, I appreciate you handling this cold weather question because this week it'll be
2: cold. I appreciate you having me on, Bob. Thanks
0: a lot. All right. Rebecca Martino, Stately Pet Supply. We'll take a break. We'll be back. It's the Bob Cadaro Show. I like the original version, but that's Paul Simon, Art Garfunkel, and James Taylor. They did a remake of the song, What a Wonderful World. And that should be the Democrat theme song, Don't Know Much About Much. We'll be back. Uh, I I screwed up. I I would never let Foreigner play, and I just didn't notice it. I was in the middle of something else. But that's them. And uh, Space Shuttle Columbia in 2003 this date blasted off for what turned out to be its last flight. On board was Israel's first astronaut, Elon Ramon. The mission would end in tragedy on February 1st when the shuttle broke up during its return descent, killing all seven crew members. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm so sorry about playing foreigner. I'm just not a fan. It's it's just, I don't know. It's just silliness. George Thorogood and Foreigner. I have no time for them, and I missed it. So I apologize to some of you who were sort of stuck I'm <laughs> listening to somebody texts in uh, dude looks like a lady is also a song that Democrats might consider on their playlist. Yeah. Another, the Jack Russell Terrier is one of God's finest creations. Pastor Mitch checking. He says, God bless your snowy day, Bob, A-L-T-S. I got to go, bro. There's more snow to move. And then somebody says, Bob, L-T-S every day to be fair regarding the weather. I have two Siberian Huskies that will not come inside. They love the cold and the snow. That's good. Hey, that's what they're bred for, but I wonder how do they, you know, it's got to be hard to survive the summers for those dogs. Road Scholar Transport, we remember them. That's the family company that treats you like family, whether you ship with them within northeast Pennsylvania or throughout the Northeast United States. And if you drive for them, you're treated like family as well. And, of course, the six-course wild game dinner at Camelot. January 24th, up and coming. Five seating start at 5 o'clock. That's when I hope to go. Uh, Tables of up to 10 available by calling 585-1430. Camelot, or going on their website, CamelotRestaurantAndInn.com. Joe from Trips Parks is my Italian Mastiff, which is a Cane Corso. We had one of those dogs in prison. It begs to be out in the snow. He loves it. We, um, we had one. I was in a dog program at Schuylkill Prison, and we had a Cane Corso. I mean... Man, you just don't know what this do- these dogs are thinking. And they are so big and so strong. Uh, and there was only two of us that the Corso would listen to. Wouldn't listen to anybody else. And I was not, he was not my primary dog. But my, it was my friend Joe Pastores. And the dog listened to him intently. And the only other one he would even pay attention to was me. So they, they, uh, yeah, they're that's a hell of a dog, Kane Corso. <laughs> Somebody says, is there any way we could put Joe Biden on his leash and walk him out of the White House today? By the way, speaking of dogs, think of what this uh degenerate idiot in the White House has done. Two separate dogs. Now tell me. That it doesn't say a lot about the owner that these dogs continually biting White House employees and Secret Service. They're either being abused by Joe Biden and the Biden family. And they are not being disciplined in any way, shape or form. I mean, these dogs behave as badly as Hunter Biden. Unreal. Uh, somebody says, Bob, you think we'll see a Trump DeSantis ticket? I don't think so. I, I know that would be a strong ticket. I wouldn't mind seeing it. Still like Tim Scott for VP. Still do. Uh we don't know what Trump is. <laughs> you don't know what Trump is gonna do. The one thing we know, we don't know what Trump is going to do. By the way, I'm looking at the my um, monitor, and I mentioned this last week. California might ban tackle football for kids under 12. Who are these people? Who are these people? That's for the parents to decide. I, it's disturbing. It teaches you how to compete. It teaches you how to do things that are not directly related to the end result. It's a huge benefit to kids to be able to play tackle football. Wow. I'm telling you, that's communism. That is socialism. That is Marxism. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, Somebody says maybe the dogs got into Hunter's Coke. It certainly seems like it, does it not? Well, it's time for the news with Brian Hughes. We will come back. Bob Cordaro, the eponymous show, rolling on after this. Go BYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast.